Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I saw a meme that said today is the absolute last day you can say that. Ah, that's so, fair. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we all need to wind out of our sayings eventually. Yeah. I can't say happy holidays anymore. It's just happy new year needs to retire as well. You know what will never phase out? Let's just dive in. <laughs> Let's just dive in. I do like that one. That yeah. one's always going to stay mm-hmm. right that's in. That's our uh, SIG. Yep. You have been so into shortening words these past couple of weeks, and it is something that has just progressively gotten more intense. I know. Where is this coming from? I, I, I love it. I think when I'm starting to spiral <laughs> and I'm having like an anxiety attack, because okay. I called Cass um, over last weekend just in a tizzy, if you will. <laughs> a tiz. <laughs> and every other word was just abbreviated mm-hmm. to the most like that you could ever the do absolute it. shortest my favorite is relish <laughs> yeah you dropped that one a couple of times and it was just <laughs> schmidt relate. from new girl energy all the way and i loved it it was so funny you were like let's shorten up a few more words mm-hmm. let's just bring it all together it's your short word era and i yeah. i think that's wonderful wonderful i'm elated what a 2023 you're about to have <laughs> It already has been, if I'm being completely honest. (laughs) I mean, it kind of relates to today's topic, but I have gone through a bit of an adjustment in my relation. A bit. (laughs) I am currently the only one in my relation (laughs) with myself. Uh, Another word for that is single. Single. I'm doing a solo relation at this moment. A solo journey for the beginning of 2023. Yeah. And we're working through it. Yeah, we are. Hence a tizzy. A little bit of a tiz. Yeah. We love a tiz. If you're not tizzing on the weekend, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. What the fuck you're doing. Where the fuck you at? Yes. (laughs) If you didn't walk into the new year having burned some shit to the ground, Mm -hmm. I think you started your year wrong. I think you did it wrong. Yeah, yeah, you need to be emotionally just crumpled by mm-hmm. the end. Metaphorically, we're not actually burning things down. You weren't but with we me that weekend. Not burning things down. <laughs> For legal reasons, we are not physically burning <laughs> we things We haven't down. burned anything down. Wink. Wink. <laughs> but what are we talking about today? We're talking about breakups. Yeah. <laughs> but um, bump. And no, we did not. Uh, <laughs> plan this no we didn't it just sometimes timing is a beautiful thing it's just of the essence am i right oh if you're not laughing you're crying so let's carry on and sometimes you cry when you laugh yeah that's how we get through it uh yeah so we have jamie waxman on the podcast today Mm -hmm. oh my god just a wealth as we like to say of information Mm -hmm. she wrote a book on breakups how to break up with anyone Mm-hmm. So romantic friends, family, yourself, yes. which was mind blowing to me, but made a lot of sense because mm-hmm. I feel like you and I have burned a lot of our own identities to the yes. ground in the last couple of years. Yeah. And those transformations are bigger than almost any other mm-hmm. that we've had interpersonally. So it's like, <laughs> it's incredible. But yeah, Jamie has so many words of wisdom when it comes to breaking up and moving on. Mm-hmm. We, I don't know what else to say. I think I said it all is what you're saying. I think you did. I think (laughs) you're so perfect Yeah, that there's nothing I could possibly add. So on that note, see you on the other side. See ya. 
See ya. Oh, nope. Can't shorten that. What? Okay. I was trying to shorten it. Oh, yeah. Those are short words already. Short words already. Other side. <laughs> Other side. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Jamie Waxman, and I am a sex educator, a sex therapist, uh, an author, and uh, a mother. And I, um, my journey into sex education, I'll just give a little bit of a background, started in my 20s as a radio producer. I got placed on a show that talked about sex and realized there was a void in the conversation. I think every generation realizes there's a void in the conversation and has to find their own language to talk about sex and relationships. But at the time, I worked at a station called iyada.com, which is a real throwback to the 90s. <laughs> um, and we were an internet station in Times Square, New York. We had T1 lines where people would like listen in their offices. Some people listened on dial-up, and we would get over 25,000 listeners a week to our show. So I knew that there was something here that we weren't talking about. And so from there, I, I started my career as a radio producer. And from there, I went into um, getting my master's in sex education, working at a sex toy shop, befriending a woman um, named Candida Royale, who became like a second mother to me. She was uh, one of the lead feminist directors in the 80s. Um, so I started to work on adult films, made some adult films, um, and then realized as a sex educator, I had to figure out a next niche. I wrote some books. I wrote a book on masturbation. I wrote a book on how to break up with anyone. I co-wrote a book with um, Emily Morse, who's a sex educator, um, called Hot Sex. Um, and then I realized I really liked the intimacy of talking with people one-on-one -on -one about their relationships, their sexuality. So I went back to school a second time and got my my master's in uh, counseling psychology and became a marriage and family therapist here in California. Uh, in addition to that, I'm finishing my PhD at Widener University in Pennsylvania uh, as a sex educator. Um, and uh, I am a PhD candidate at this point. Very proud to say that after like 12 years, anybody can do it. It can take time. <laughs> and in that time and in that journey, I became a mother um, and um yeah, that really also shifted my perspective on talking about sex and understanding how to talk about sex because I'm extremely comfortable with the subject matter. But then when you bring a young person in, you have to also navigate what to do there. So mm -hmm. uh, that's my background <laughs> in a nutshell. Uh, and I'm really happy to be here with both of you today. So thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah, thanks, Emma. We are so excited to have you. And oh my God, you with the experience you have had, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. That sounds thank so you. interesting. You really Thank just hit you. all the different areas. Like so cool. Such a well-rounded <laughs> yeah. sex educator. I love it. Thank you. I really wanted to have experiences in different parts of sex. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. In the industry. Um, I could not tap into everything, um, but it was really great to be able to have those experiences 100% and to make community from that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And one of the things that we were super interested in was your book on how to break up with anyone, which is what we want to talk about today. Sure. So let's start with what kinds of breakups there are in your life. Yeah. So my book, it's interesting. I tried not to focus on romantic relationships when I wrote this book, because there were a lot of books on breaking up in those relationships. Of course, I mean, romantic relationships transcend into all different types of relationships, but there are breakups with your own identity, right? Like changing who you are, how you see yourself, your sexual orientation, maybe even your behavior, your identity, or your gender, um, so sometimes there's breakups around that. There are breakups with best friends. And I think this is a topic that feels really 
taboo and hasn't been spoken a lot about a lot, especially I, I'm going to just recognize that I'm using gender here, but especially in female relationships, um, there's a lot of real emotional closeness. This can happen in male relationships too, and in, in any relationship, but the emotional closeness that's lost when a friendship is lost, there's breaking up with your family, breaking up with your religion, your community. So there are so many different types of breakups that are out there that that there aren't really words for or understanding around. So when I was doing this book, I felt like I really wanted to make sure that I could tap into some of the less well-known types of breakups. Mm -hmm. That are, I mean, I've had relationship breakups, but I've also had fights with family or fights with friends. And honestly, those ones hurt more. <laughs> like relationship ones, I feel like you can usually get to the point where you're like, this was better. I'm better mm -hmm. for this. But it's harder with friends and family. You're like, I don't think I am better. I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, why do you think that those hurt more? Is it this idea that from a <laughs> Well, I'm, well, yeah, I'm, I don't what know. What comes up for me is the idea of a romantic relationship is like, well, that chapter ended. Here's what I've learned from it. Yeah. And they clearly weren't my right person, mm -hmm. right? But with family, well, first of all, you don't get the choice some of the time, right? right. But at, at, most of the time, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, and like, it's like, wait, I'm being rejected without necessarily, like, I guess reason maybe comes up for me or mm -hmm. I don't know if that, if that resonates. Yeah. Definitely. And also, it feels like getting into a relationship that's kind of par for the course. It's like you're mm -hmm. you're taking that with you like, oh, this could end. But friendships and family, that's not what you normally associate with being a part of the deal. I was just going to say that like as somebody who struggles with anxiety and who plans or anticipates in order to quell my anxiety – I like getting into a relationship. I'm like, okay, I know this could end. And it's like, I think about what that would look like. But oh my God, yeah, I've never thought about what it would look like for Emma and I to stop being friends. And so if that happened, that would be such a shock to my system. Like that has never even crossed my mind mm -hmm. that we would not be friends. Right. And so that, but it like I married and it has crossed my mind <laughs> that like maybe my husband and I won't always be together because I needed to think about that when I married this person. And as we're like getting all of these shared assets, all of these shared assets, <laughs> it's not that many. Um, <laughs> all my gold. Yeah, all my gold. <laughs> right. Yeah. As we're combining everything, I have to think about those things, but I have never had I mean, we own a business together, so I've, but I really still haven't let myself right. think about yeah. what that would look like for us. So that would be earth shattering. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, Cass, you bring up something that like really crossed my mind. I remember the first time I moved in with a partner and I saw our books get combined. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this would take a lot to untangle. Just the fact that our bookshelf is now mixed. Mm -hmm. And like we have these visual sort of, um, experiences that allow us to or or like we have to navigate financial right when we're getting married or whatever it might be so we have all of these experiences that make us think about actually getting together when we get together with friends or family we don't think about those same experiences it, it happens it doesn't it's it doesn't feel as intentional to me mm -hmm. as when you get into a relationship when you declare you're in a relationship right mm -hmm. like there's a label it feels like that comes with that mm -hmm. absolutely Breaking up with yourself and like your identity and phases of your life was also something I thought was really interesting that you said, because I, I also don't think that there's a lot of words around that feeling 
there's, I don't know, changing, there's growing up. I changed. I changed, <laughs> you know, shit happened and now I'm different. But like, <laughs> we don't talk about breaking up with yourself and different parts mm-hmm. of your identity at all. Yeah. And I think what you bring up, Emma, is like a good point too, that for some people it is really fluid. We don't even recognize it's happening. We jump into the next thing and we're like, well, I guess this is who I am now. And maybe for for a lot of people, that acceptance or desire to move into a new space is really easy and natural. Mm-hmm. But I think that especially like I think about, you know, I have a girlfriend whose child came out as non-binary last year. And not just for, it, it, maybe it's not breaking up necessarily, but the grief that my friend had to go through mourning the loss of her daughter, right? Breaking up with the construct that this child was going to grow up a certain way was really, really important for her to move into acceptance of who her child is. Mm-hmm. And for the child, I don't think that at they were, they are uh, 10 years old. I don't think for them, they understand the, well, that's not fair to say they may based on my, like they were just naturally moving into it. Right. But I think, I think about people who change, who, who recognize their transition or that they are not in their right body at like 30 or 40. Um, And those people, right, have to let go of and break up with who they were, both professionally and personally. And it impacts everybody in the dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to see who who and what feels more natural when you're breaking up, even in relationships, even with friendships. I feel like some people can be like, not for me. Mm -hmm. I am not that person. (laughs) I... Well, hold on till my, I'm like, I'll white knuckle it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because breaking up sounds harder. So why are these breakups so hard? Why do we take them so seriously when they could be for the better of our lives? Well, I think that a lot of people take it personally with breakups because they think it's something about them, right? We make it about us. And it, like, and I feel like when we can look at the other person and say like, oh, no, 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 like they, this is the kind of friendship they want. I am not their person or they just, you know, ask too much. Like I can't give, or I don't like them. I don't like how they treat like, like service people. Like that's a big thing in relationship for me was always like, how do you treat somebody who's like feed, you know, the waitress at the, at the restaurant? Like, so I think if we can justify a reason outside of us, it's easier. But a lot of times when we don't, I feel like we start to think it's got to be about us. Like we're not good enough. We're being rejected. And rejection sensitivity, which is actually something that has really become clear with people on the on on the spectrum, right? Like it's it's a real thing in ADHD and autism. Um, but I think it's a, just a real thing for people who are sensitive or like you brought up, Cass, have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like this rejection becomes a really big deal. And when we don't get reasons or we get reasons like, well, you know, you just, you ask so much or, you know, whatever, we really start to feel like this has to be about us. When all the time we play a role, I say this to all the couples I see as a therapist, you are part of the problem, but you are not the whole problem. This problem is, this problem is in the dynamic And what I really think comes up sometimes is attachment theory um, and really like how secure our attachments are to how how we view ourselves in any breakup in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
That hits. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And I asked for you two, like, are, can you think of a breakup? Like, are there outside of romantic breakups, any breakups that you can think that happened in your own life that did impact you or that you didn't, maybe didn't even see as a breakup at the time, but now like in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it would count. I mean, it could count, but all the friendships that I had in high school, honestly, mm-hmm. or the ones that I left behind in college when you're like, I've just grown out of that feeling. And I guess those could be considered a breakup. They just didn't feel intentional, but maybe that's what we're talking about with it just being easier, being a flow. Yeah. And I I think that's, you bring up a really good point that a lot of times we don't really break up things just sort of end naturally with people in parts of our lives that are not romantically. I feel like you have to to make this declaration. Mm -hmm. You have to like cut ties end the contract, right? Whatever it might be. And we don't necessarily do that, but it's the same. You're right. Like in high school, I I really don't stay in touch with, I mean, I'm really much older now, but I don't stay in touch with most of my high school friends and never had. And I find that the ones that were really close with me that I've actually been able to talk through and and ask what happened, it feels healing. Mm -hmm. It's not for, I mean, it doesn't mean every relationship needs to be that way, but it really is healing. If there was somebody that was really important to me and our lives did, there was generally a clear point where our lives went separately. We made a choice um and or an unconscious or conscious choice but when we did that like I do I I have gone back in the last few years and reflected with at least two of my three closest friends from high school to say what happened and I've owned my part in what happened because I definitely played a part in in each of those relationships dissolving especially because I see that they are all still actually they stay in touch more than I do so I I was curious like what what happened here and I realized like I was really conscious like I wanted to break up with my town I grew up um in Long on Long Island and I just didn't ever I mean I probably look like I fit in very well but I didn't ever feel like I fit in and so I was really conscious from a young age that I wanted to leave and I started writing what I will now call like breakup letters to my town when I was like journaling it as a teenager and so I think at the time first of all our adult brains don't go online till we're 25 so we're thinking like um we're we're definitely thinking young until then and then our logic kicks in in a different way and there's a great book called the female brain that explains all of this but our adult brains don't go online yeah and so you know even if you're like think about this before you're 25 you're the way you're gonna like end things could be really messy and and so I don't think I thought about what it would look like to end things with friends because I wanted to end things with my town I mean, I, yeah, that, that I think when you put it that way, I have so many other breakups that I can picture in my head, mm-hmm. um, which is fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It makes those transitions feel more purposeful. Maybe, maybe like there was an intention behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, also when you were talking earlier about breakups, when there's nothing like right in front of you, that's wrong you know, you feel like it's about you at that point when it's like, I don't know, it's just not a fit. But I feel like there's a lot of, um, like, this sounds stupid, but in Bachelor in Paradise, this girl didn't want to date this guy anymore. She's like, but there's nothing wrong. Like, what is wrong with me that I can't like this perfectly perfect person in front of me? Like, something's wrong with me. And I feel like those breakups are hard to talk about and, like, hard to analyze as well. And they end up like do feeling like it's all your fault. (laughs) 
Yeah. Can I ask him? I don't know Bachelor in Paradise, but I am curious. <laughs> like, is this a show where it's like good guys and bad guys? Like, like, no, what are... it's like okay. all of the people who are on like Bachelor Bachelorette franchise, they go to an island and they try to find love. <laughs> oh. It's very sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> but what's so fascinating to me about these shows is that what people think, and this goes into romantic relationships, but that's what people think they want and what they want, like the excitement and the novelty that I think really draws us to certain relationships and the nice guy or the nice girl being like secure and stable while appealing intellectually, depending on where we are in our lives, doesn't always work emotionally. And so like when I hear her describe, when you, I hear you retelling the story of how she might describe this I think like yeah it sounds like she's not in real like it sounds like she says I want this thing but she also really wants that excitement and novelty that comes with the other guy right now Mm -hmm. right and so I mean look I can talk from personal experience here like I met my husband at 42 and before that I really I had a a very specific type that they could be nice. Some of them were, but they were also very charismatic and very physically attractive. And not that my husband isn't, he is, but, <laughs> but, but very like, like I had to do all the work to keep the relationships going or most of the work I should say. And then at some point when I was like, I'm done, I don't actually even care about being in a relationship anymore. I met this really nice guy who's like, really honest and loyal and dedicated. And I was like, oh my God, I would not have been available for him even probably five to 10 years before. So I, I mean, look, that's like, for some people, that's really old to get married for the first time, but it was definitely for me the the right time. Like I can look back now and say like the relationships I thought I was available for are very different. Mm-hmm. And sorry if that's TMI. No, <laughs> nothing is TMI yeah. here. Okay. Okay. We've gone off yeah. the deep end. Yeah. Great. No, we love it Great. too. Oh, my mind is racing with all these. Like when you asked if we have examples of breakups, uh-huh. I have two. So remind mm-hmm. me, I have a family one too. But okay. this one, when I was thinking about friends, there is one friendship in particular that ended right around the time that I met my current partner. So that friendship was really close. And then I introduced them to my partner. I don't think they liked my partner is Mm. the truth of it. And we kind of just stopped talking naturally and it kind of just faded away and we haven't really talked since. And that was really hard for me because I didn't want to be that person. You know what I mean? Like that person that ditches their friends for their partner. And that's kind of the story that I was telling myself. I'm like, oh, I'm ditching them for this person that I haven't even known as long. But it's like, when I really look at it, it wasn't like that. Like, it's not like my partner was unkind to her or showed like behaviors that, you know, were red flags or anything like that. And I mean, Emma and my partner are really good friends. So it's like, I know Mm -hmm. that other friends in my life and him connect really well, but that was really hard because I just had that story of like being that girl who Mm -hmm. leaves all her friends for Mm -hmm. a guy. And that was really shitty. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so like to me, Cass, hearing that, Mm -hmm. I feel like 
if you were able to talk to her, right? Like it's her, mm-hmm. like there's something about her own jealousy or her own mm-hmm. thoughts about your relationship mm-hmm. that were going to like change her expectations of the relationship she had created in her mind were going to change as a result of this relationship. Cause it sounds like she had some, I mean, again, I, I don't know anything and I'm projecting <laughs> all of this, but like she had some really strong feelings towards you of, of mm-hmm. love and affection, n- not necessarily sexual. I don't mm-hmm. mean it that way, but that right. Like that there was something that, that she could not handle. And it's interesting to hear you say, like for you, it was like, I'm being a bad friend. And I would, you know, if you two were in therapy as a friendship couple, even I would be like, well, no, well, what's going on over here? Because you're ready to, she's ready to like drop this or she's not giving your partner a chance. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it sounds like. Right. Yeah. right? Or, well, when I think about our friendship as well, I think about how a lot of what we related on was being in the same place. Mm. being maybe not as happy with our lives, being feeling like we didn't maybe make the best decisions, just feeling like kind of down. And I noticed I had an anthropology teacher in college talk about how often we connect on negative things with people in order to start relationships. Like, oh my God, that fucking sucked. And then Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, there's a friend. They also thought it fucking sucked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so... I think a lot of our friendship was based on that. And when I found my partner, not that he like fixed everything and I was like so happy and everything was perfect, but it's like there was an aspect of my life that felt really happy. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I also wonder, but then I, in my head, I'm like, well, that's shitty. I don't want to be like, well, I'm happy and you're not. So you must be jealous of me. But friend jealousy is so layered. I Mm -hmm. feel like it's subliminal. It's, I don't know. It can be woven in so discreetly. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like, unravel it from the inside out mm-hmm. yeah you're right though misery loves company mm-hmm. and when you're not as unhappy as me how do i how do i show up in that relationship yeah right That's i really mean look true. if you want to look at it from your end too you might not have recognized that she was you know really like digging the negativity bias mm-hmm. and like you were maybe not able to show up in her for her and say like hey how is this impacting you like I you know I know our relationship is changing so there's like that's what I said there's like three sides to every story mm-hmm. yeah. we can find a way that we could have done something differently but we can also find a way that the other person could have as well mm-hmm. and I mean I think like hearing what you're saying you now know what the contract was in that relationship we are going to be like miserable together mm-hmm. that's quite true (laughs) what was your family one um the family example I wanted to get a little bit more into those like reasons how we know when um but what's giving layers to this for me was so I I haven't thought of it this way but I broke up with um one side of my family um for safety reasons for abuse reasons I could no longer see them at the same time I have somebody in my life who experienced very similar things not in my family, different family, but their family um, treated them in a very similar way. And they chose not to break up with their family. So their family is still in their life. And that's made, that has caused me to think a lot of like, well, what, did I have reason enough to break up with my family? And like, well, why didn't they break up with their family? And why was this same, basically same thing that we experienced? How, why did we choose such different things from it? And so that just makes me think about how, you know, for some people, this is going to be reason enough to break up with someone. But for other people, that's going to be something like, no, we'll we'll fight through that. Like, it's OK. Um, so it's like, how do you know when and how do you know for you? And I don't know. That's yeah. a complicated question. 
Well, but let me ask you this, Cass, with regard to your family, how yeah. did it feel to be around them before you broke up with them? Um, trigger warning, I don't know if I would still be alive if I had stayed with them. I was so depressed um, <clears throat> that I don't think I could have stayed with them and been even remotely okay. So that's why I chose to stop. Yeah, and I think that's how you know, right? Like if you're coming out of experiences with your family feeling worse than going in mm -hmm. and you are like insanity, right? Is trying to mm -hmm. do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results and you are feeling bad, like badly, like you, and you can't shake that. Like to me, I mean, this person who's in your life who has a similar experience and has chosen, I would ask, I would be curious how they do that as well. Like, I think that's a great conversation to have and what it's like for them when they leave their family. But you said, I mean, first of all, I want to say it's breaking up and it's setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. And it does bring up questions for me, right? Because there's codependence and codependence is I want to make sure everybody else is happy. Like I'll sacrifice myself, right? For your happiness in some ways. Um, and so people who tend to be codependent will try really hard to stay in relationships to, and I'm not saying that this person is or isn't, but right, like the, they'll try and stay in relationships to make it better for everyone else. Mm -hmm. Like they will sacrifice how they feel. And what I can, what I can hear from what you're saying is that you actually started taking care of yourself and looked at what you needed to do to stay alive. Mm -hmm. Right. And and for that reason alone, you know, you made the right decision. It was literally a matter of life and death. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how your family reacted. I don't know if if you actually went in and said to them, like, I am done. Like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Or if it just like you've started ignoring them. Right. Like these are the ways these are the intricacies in like the breakups with family that become more complicated. I I, I blew shit up. Um, I was a like young teenager, but we had to go through the legal system. So it was like oh, a very, really? Yeah. I really broke up with them. Um, mm. and it definitely blew shit up. And I would say there are ways in which besides my mental health, <laughs> there are ways in which not doing that would have made things easier on a lot of people. Like it just on me as well. That was a really hard process it, even the not legal stuff, it was just, it's really hard to break up with someone and it causes a lot of issues and it causes all of these conversations and all of these other things. And I had to look at all of these things and it's like, it probably would have been a lot easier to be like, eh, I'll deal with it. Or I'll just like slowly separate myself than really be like, no, I'm done. Like mm -hmm. I'm not seeing you anymore. Um, and so I, I do understand other people choosing a very different path because there yeah. are aspects of the one that I took that I'm like, Damn. <laughs> Damn, that, was, <laughs> that hard. was harder than it had to be. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like choosing the path of least resistance can work for some people. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, I just have to say like, I have so much respect for you as a teenager, knowing what you needed to do for yourself and as hard as it was doing it. As hard as it was and being really clear, like I wanted to just add in one of the biggest takeaways from what I learned doing the research. There were two big takeaways. One of them was in breaking up. It's very essential. And this I don't know. This came actually from a girlfriend. And I'm like, I don't know if you made this up, but it's brilliant. Um, 
to be clear, concise, and consistent. The three C's in breaking up. So you're clear, this does not work for me. You keep it short, like, I, I can't do this anymore, right? Maybe you have, like, I can't do this anymore. We are not, we are making each other feel worse. I feel worse. And you keep repeating the same thing because it's very easy for someone, especially, like, family to come in and be like, but I'm your mother. Like, you mm-hmm. just, like... You're supposed to just love me unconditionally. This doesn't feel good, right? Like, so clear, concise, and consistent are the three keys to breaking, the three C's, I'll say, to breaking up with um, somebody and really being able to stick with it. Mm-hmm. Those are good reminders. Those are That's really good reminders. Easy, like, good. Yeah. How yeah. do we How do we use this, like, innate knowing with other relationships, like with friendships or romantic relationships when – it's not something that's like in your face. Mm-hmm. I need to break up with this person. There might just be like this gut feeling. Our gut feelings real. Like what? What yes. do we use with those? Oh my god, <laughs> gut gut feelings are so real. Um, and I hundred percent. There's been research recently that actually says that your intuition, your gut intuition, is way stronger and more realistic than you can ever imagine. No way. So, I really think if your intuition is telling you, I need to do this thing, Mm -hmm. then you really maybe want to start by asking yourself, what's working in this relationship? And write a list of the things that are working and what's not working, right? What do I wish would be different or what do I feel like, or like just, yeah, what isn't working? And so so you start to actually visualize what are you getting from this relationship? You can even say, what am I getting and what am I giving? right? Like as another way to look at this and actually then start to see if it is worth your, your self-care, right? Like, can I just also pause for a second? I want to check in. You said the family thing. And Emma, is this the first time you heard Cass say this? No. Because oh, I, I was like, what's the family one? And I'm like, well, that's really big. Yeah. Like, no, no, okay. I appreciate the check-in. But yeah. yes, we've, okay. we've talked about yeah. it a lot. I'm okay. okay yeah. It's probably been on the podcast and my apologies. If it, like, okay. No, oh. not at all. I'm in therapy as well. Like I have a weekly, I'm good. Yeah. No, I figured you are. I, I was, uh, I was, uh, I just, I knew you were like, well, what's the family one? And then I'm like, oh, we just like, that's how. And then I, okay, thank you. But yeah, so I would definitely like weigh the pros, like just checking out, like, okay, does this work? And then honestly, like, this is the hardest part. And I feel like the most growth is actually sitting down with the person and saying, what do you like about our relationship? And what do you wish was different? And that, like, I do this, like, with couples, I call it wins and wonders. And I say, like, what's a win? What's a win we had in our relationship this week, right? Oh, we did. What's a wonder? And so a wonder is not necessarily going, like, oh, you, like, you never clean the dishes. When are you going to start? It's like, I wonder what it would be like if we took turns cleaning the dishes. Or if you, like, if, if. If I wonder if there was a way I could ask you to clean the dishes, right? Like where you would feel I wasn't like pointing a finger at you. So it's just, it's a, it's a gentle way of approaching the negative without it becoming uh, a problem. I love that phrasing Mm -hmm. because I feel like we use that. I wonder if we did this, you know, but Mm -hmm. I never think about it. It's very constructive 
way to phrase things that you aren't getting yeah. in a very nice way. <laughs> Winds and Wonders sounds mystical as well. Yes, and I like it that. Does. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Winds and and the other thing I would say is like, if this would be, again, really like doesn't happen regularly. This is fantasy world breakup, right? In an mm-hmm. ideal situation with, you know, non-romantic partners to say like, you know what, I'm going to take a few weeks to think about like what we talked about today. And let's re- like, let's talk like, cause sometimes these relationships are people we talk to really regularly or even ourselves, right? Like I need to think about this before I make a rash decision as somebody myself with anxiety, I like to, to, to do first and think second, and then like have to rethink. All- so okay. really trying to take that pause and saying like, let's just give ourselves some space to actually see. Because the other thing I learned in the book, uh, writing the book, um, was that research says that when you end on a positive note, you are more likely to be able to have connection with this person down the road uh, in, in some way, right? So even if you're like, this isn't working, and and they're not abu- like abuse, I think, is a very different situation. Right. And I really appreciate this part of our friendship. Like, oh, my God, I'm so glad we had this time together. I would never gotten through my freshman year of college without you. Right. Then when you see each other or if there's you'll have more positive connection. Mm-hmm. So trying to find a way to end without like you did all these things wrong <laughs> right, um, can be really helpful. It is a brave move to ask yes. someone for feedback. I was just gonna, when you said that, I was like, oh. I know you've mentioned it a couple of times. I'm like, I don't even think that I'm strong enough to ask. I, I could ask a romantic partner because I love talking about feelings. Yeah. I, yeah, anyway, that's a different thing. But for friendships and family, I mm. feel like that is, whoa. That's vulnerable. That's vulnerable. Yeah. It's so vulnerable. And even when you said that, like I had a reaction because I'm like, you know, there's a lot of people that you like, especially like you're saying you do therapy, like you guys have this podcast, like, you know, this is its own therapy in some ways, right? Like you, like you are learning, you're self-aware and you're, what I love about the, the, this podcast, the idea of this podcast, like I saw you said, we're not experts, but you are, you're experts in your own life. And like, you want to know more, right? And like, that awareness is incredible. And a lot of times, like, not everybody is there with you, right? Like, you can't have that conversation with some family. Like, I can think even in my own life, if I tried to have that conversation with some people in my family, they'd be like, you're the problem. And <laughs> yeah. then, where do you go from there? It's like, okay, right. you clearly have not looked at the work on yourself, right? Like, and so it is hard. It is hard. But I think if you were able to do it, to preface it by saying, I've become really aware of some things about me. And, um, you know, here is a way like I feel like I'm growing or trying to show up more. And I'm just curious if like you have thought about any ways that like you might be doing the same thing. Right. Like so because as soon as you put it on them for feedback, if they are not in an aware place, they are going to be like you, 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 you. And as soon as you hear you, your defenses are going to go up like you don't want to like right. Like you want it to be an eye conversation where it flows as fluidly like. I'm asking this about me because I'm also curious. I'm in relationship with you. So mm-hmm. how can this be an I, we sort of dynamic? Right. But it is not easy and it's not, it's not realistic for everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, go ahead. No, you go. I was gonna say, well, that leads into more questions of like, how do we break up? Mm-hmm. Um, so I love the three C's. I feel like that's a really good tip to keep in mind and making I statements, but can we, text a breakup can we do we have to like stage the breakup do you have to be like hey come over 
we have to talk. <laughs> like, how do you how do you start a breakup? Yeah, no, that is a really good question. And I think, you know, it really generationally depends. Like for me at first, when I when I hear like text to break up, I'm like, oh, but a lot of people talk through text, right? I think the way I would encourage, and this is how I encourage like any conversation, because in romantic relationships, right? Like when we're in a mood with our partner, we're just like, hey, but like our partner <laughs> might not be in the same place as us to hear our mood at that moment. Yeah. So starting with like, hey, can we find a time or are you available? I do a thing with partners about appreciation and it's a scripted thing that came from Imago work, which is from this book, Getting the Love You Want. It's a fantastic book. But um, it starts with, uh, is now a good time to share an appreciation? So you start with like, hey, is now a good time for us to talk? Or when are you available? I'd love to like, you know, and of, of course I can imagine just hearing that, like we'll drop your stomach because that's not the way we talk to people. Right. So even practicing it beforehand, like, hey, is now a good time to say hi to your friend, right? Or something like that. Just starting to use that language more could make it more comfortable. But I do think like, if you don't think it's working and you guys are already in like a text conversation and you're like, this is the last time I am letting this blow up like this, like I am done. I might say in that way, I would say like, I would encourage to be like, hey, I need a break. Let's like talk in a week. Like, and this is timeouts, I feel like are really important in romantic relationships and anything. And the, the key to a timeout is letting the other person know when you're available again. If you just are like, I need a break. It's if you're not like, if you're like slowly going into breakup mode, right? Like to say like, I just need a break and make the other person, if somebody who has anxiety, that's like the worst thing to hear in the world. So you say like, I'll be, I'll be in touch on this date. Or if it's like a short, like if it's like the two of you got into a fight and you needed like a minute, right? Like you could just say like, Hey, let's talk again in an hour. Let's check in in an hour, right? So it can really be any amount of time you want. But I think that that gives you the pause that you need to know what you actually want to do to listen to your gut. What What is this person doing in my life? Do they, how, do they, how do they make my life feel better mm-hmm. or worse? Right. Pauses are hard for me. <laughs> yeah. It makes so much sense. And it's reasonable and it gives you time to like breathe and think through your emotions. I have a hard time not just doing. And I don't know if that's anxiety of, in me, but I, I waiting is hard. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, sorry. Stewing. Stewing, <laughs> yes. Buffer periods. Those are hard for me. Yeah. Well, that's so for you, like, and, and I'm the same exact way. I like want it done and I want it like just, I just want to know the outcome so mm-hmm. I can move forward from there. And I do think that some of the best outcomes have come for me when I can even take like 10 minutes mm-hmm. or three breaths, right? Like, if you really, really don't want to wait, count to five and then really think, like, do I have to say this right now? And if I do, then I will. But I do think the impulsivity for a lot of people, especially in like vulnerable conversations, it definitely steers the direction that sometimes you want to come back and unwind a little more, or sometimes you even have more clarity about why you don't want to do this anymore Mm -hmm. and why it's not working. And sometimes I want to just say, like when you brought up family, like sometimes you do have to have a breakup where the other person just isn't going to get it. Mm -hmm. Like that does happen, right? Like you can't expect the other person to be in the same place as you. If you have really given this a lot of thought and they're like, no, you're my friend for life. We, we, 
you know, we exchanged blood when we were 15, whatever, bad example, but just thinking of a bunch of songs. But like, but yeah, like whatever, you know, like they're, not everyone is going to be able to meet you where you're at, but as but I think for our own mental health, like to know why we are making the decision we are making to have felt like we have thought it out and that we're not going to go back and take it back. That can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Is ghosting ever the answer? I don't. I don't like the answer of ghosting. I mean, think about it. If you've been ghosted, right, in any way, like, what does that bring up for you? Sadness. Yeah. Yeah. Not good things. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's no closure. Like, at least, like, look, it happens all the time, and it's going to, ghosting is a thing that's going to keep happening. But if you think about what it feels like to be ghosted, then I feel like the answer is not really ever, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes, if somebody can't, if you have tried really hard and have been like, we are done, it is over, and they keep, and you block them and they mm-hmm. find you and like, you can't do anything else, then like, it leaves you no other choice. But when there is a choice, like how you would want things to end, like the respect and the courtesy that you would want, I feel like is what I would encourage people to do to do unto others. Mm-hmm. What about blindsiding, like with family, friends, relationships, you know, I would always feel super guilty if I was to blindside someone with a breakup. So do you have to give warnings? Do you, you know, is it more of a conversation less like you're walking in with your mind made up if you feel like you're about to blindside someone? Like, I think that's a really What happened for you, Emma, if you blindsided someone after you were just like, well, that's done. Like, would you feel complete about it? I don't know. I think I'd feel really bad. I'd feel really guilty. I feel like you've got to take care of yourself there too, mm-hmm. right? So like, I, I don't think blindsiding is necessarily like the way to go. That's why right. even though like to start out by saying like, hey, when are you available for a conversation? Like I, I there's been some stuff on my mind and I'd love to talk to you, right? Even through that, like giving somebody the space to know like, oh, this might be serious. We're having a conversation. Like you're planning a time to have a conversation with me. And that in and of itself might be enough to eliminate some of the blindsiding. Mm. Um, the other thing that I want to bring up around having the conversation, which you just reminded me, is like one of the ways to approach it. But going back to the blindsiding for one more second, I feel like for the most part, unless you've been like acting like everything is great, like generally before you are going to end the relationship, you've probably limited conversation or stop seeing someone as frequently, right? Like unless you've been like acting like everything is fine and then you're just like, I can't do that anymore, right? Like there are ways even in what feels like blindsiding to not actually be blindsiding, right? Like, mm-hmm. so there um, is a, a script around non-confrontational conversations, which may have come up in some of your podcasts. It's called Observation, Feeling, Need, Request, OFNR. So it's the easy two parts for me are observation and feeling. Like, hey, I noticed that the last few times that we've talked to each other, I've been feeling really like sad or upset after our conversations, right? So I, and then the need, I need to like, I need to figure out what's going on here because I'm not sure like why I'm having this reaction towards you, like, or what's going on, like about this reaction towards you. So I'm going to ask that we like, like, just like actually give this some, I'm going to ask that you respect my time to give this some thought, right? So there are ways, or just to even go in and saying like, hey, I noticed that like, we've been fighting a lot 
and I'm feeling really shitty every time we get together. Are you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. So, but, but keeping it to the I statements again, but the I notice I'm feeling is really helpful in the clarity of approaching the conversation. That's really helpful, especially when emotion is high and you're maybe nervous Mm -hmm. to remember that clarity in I statements. And to even write out what you want to say beforehand Mm. and practice it. It's not a bad idea. That's a good point. Yeah. I, this is going back a little bit, but you did bring it up then. I really like the concept of thinking about how you feel after being with someone, leaving someone, or like um, when you're with someone, how you feel. Because there have definitely been times when I'm like, well, is this a good friendship? Is this a good relationship? And then when I think about like how I feel after we're together, like after we hang out, I'm like, well, I feel like shit every time I leave them. Or when I think about like really good friendships, it's like I feel so good. Like I feel energized after seeing them. I feel full. I feel happy. And it's like, okay, well, I know that that's not someone I would want to break up with. But when it's something so different, it's like, well, that's really clear to me. If I'm not enjoying the time that I'm spending with them, if it's, you know, this, it may, maybe it sounds a little selfish, but if I'm not getting something out of that time that I'm spending with them, no matter what that is, like, why would I want to be investing time into them? Yeah. And that brings up like a, a, a statement I love here, like a yes out of obligation is a no. It is not a yes, right? Like, so if you feel like if you're feeling like there are some people that I'm like seeing because I have to, right? I don't feel good after, but that's a no. And I love that you like, you know, my, my daughter is in occupational therapy right now. And her therapist asks her all the time, how are you feeling in your body right now? And I really think that's such an important question. It's hard. I'm much more intellectual. I would rather be up here than anywhere in here a lot of the time. Um, so when it comes to like actually negative feelings, I should say. So um, I I do think when you can check in, oh God, ugh, I'm like exhausted. I'm tired, right? I I like just want to I, I want to shut down or whatever else or like what you were sharing, Cass. Like if you don't feel good when you leave, that's an indication. Now, does it always mean you have to call them up and be like, this is over? <laughs> no, right? Like I think if it's a relationship that's persistent and the other person is like, when am I seeing you again? Why can't we see each other? Like that that requires a conversation. I also feel like a lot, because a lot of friendships in particular do sort of peter out, right? You make, you meet somebody else or whatever. But when you go back to thinking about the person that you're no longer in touch with, if you want to know like, Hey, what happened? Or like, Hey, you know, just thinking about you, you know, like you can still reach out, like breakups don't always mean they're breakups forever, right? Especially in these complicated dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be taking a break. It really just depends. Right. That makes a ton of sense. So after we've done the breaking up, how do we recover? Like what are our steps for feeling better? Yeah. Well, let me ask you, what makes you feel better now? Like what do you do when you're like in a mood and need to get out of it? Talk to her. <laughs> Talk to friends, mm-hmm. um, go out uh, like nicely, not party. <laughs> go out on the town. Go out on the town, no, but like a casual beer. Uh, going home, like my where my parents are, that always helps too. Um, yeah, those types of things. 
Yeah. So I think for you, Emma, some of the things would be making sure you have that support network of who you can talk to, mm-hmm. right? And figuring out like who you want to talk to, maybe taking a trip back to like the home, right? Mm-hmm. Like that would be definitely a place to like think about going. I also think like sometimes like coming up with like a feel good playlist that you have or like songs that really get you in a good mood. Right. Or if exercise does that for you at all, like for me getting on a trampoline with some good music or Hamilton, but then I can't get that out of my head for the rest of my life. Like it, even for five minutes, just like really changes my mood. So whatever that might be to focus on like feeling like recognizing you're doing good self-care. It may also mean having ice cream, right? Or like giving yourself a like fuck all day and like treating yourself to whatever you want. But like, it really is about like, the most important part is in, is reminding yourself that what you are doing is good for you, right? As hard as this is, that this passes and then how you're gonna feel on the other side is not how you feel when you are with that person. I love those those plans. Mm-hmm. Also, Very I want good. a trampoline now. Yeah. <laughs> My friend had one when I was little, and that just, that just brought me back. We would sing Wicked, though. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. Wicked songs. <laughs> it's pretty good, too. I wicked. know. Defying oh, gravity trampoline. on a trampoline, please. <laughs> it's perfect. Well, it's funny. I asked as I got older, like, I like I don't want to do anything to my face. So I asked, like, well, what can I do to tighten my body? And an esthetician said, try a trampoline. And so, like, it literally was the, I don't have a big trampoline. I have a six foot. So it's bigger than, like, the small ones. Uh-huh. Um, but it's in our backyard. I put on headphones. I do, I, I love Peloton, which is a whole other thing. But, like, so I get all the music that I like when I'm cycling. And I put it on a playlist. And then I just do, like, 20 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to tighten my face. And tighten my I don't know if it works really, but like. But you're happy after. Yeah, yeah I'm very happy after. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That is so fun. I want a big one though. Yeah. <laughs> we can split yes. one. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> we need a yard. Yeah. We'll, we'll just do it. We'll clear out our office. Yeah. And maybe. Put it in here. Replace it. Yeah. yeah. Just go through the ceiling tiles. Yeah. It's not very tall in no, here. Replace the floor. Replace the floor in your yes. office. It's a trampoline floor. Uh, like the amazing. Kardashians. Yeah. They have that in their backyard. <laughs> they have it? They have like an in-ground one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my God. That's so, so cool. Fun. A girl I went to elementary school with had one and she invited like everybody in the class to her house one time at oh the end of the God. year. Oh my God. It was so cool. That's really oh, cool. It was so fancy. Trampoline bitches in school were just so cool. Yeah. They had it all. And snacks. They always had snacks yeah. too. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Not one you want to break up with. Yeah, not one you'd want to break up with. Um, This maybe is more a question for romantic, but maybe it could uh, trickle into other types of relationships. Can you stay friends with somebody that you have broken up with? That is a good question. So my initial thought is absolutely. Like this is a person who has been in your life. But, and there was good reason. Like there were a lot you, there was a fondness in whatever it was, but give yourself some time and space to recalibrate at least 30 days without contact, at least a month to just like actually get out of the routine of what the relationship looked like so that you can reconfigure what the relationship is going to look like. Mm-hmm. So it's not like because you end something, you have to not be in each other's lives, but you do have to reconfigure how you're going to be in each other's lives. And I think also to actually like emotionally sort of 
wash whatever is going on, right? Like to give yourself that time. And to be, that is, I think, something to be very intentional and clear about is to say to this person, I'm going to take X amount of time without contacting you. Let's just do that so we can come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that answer because ending is hard and that's sad and scary, you know? So if you can wrap back around, if it's a healthy situation, I feel like that, like those should always be options in life. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've always found with, especially romantic relationship breakups. It's like, wait, this person meant so much to me for this amount of time. And now I'm not supposed to care at all or have anything to do with them. Like, Look, some people don't want to ever talk to you again, but in the relationships, I think where there's a lot of awareness and not as much blame on the one of the uh, on you for the breakup or whatever it is like, it's really, I think it's a sign of health in some ways to even if it's just to be acquaintances, but like to have room for a person that you cared about in your life. I have mixed feelings about what I'm about to say, because I don't I am not friends with my ex at all. Um But I will say when my partner and I first got together and he would say something not so nice about an ex, that became a really big deal to me because I found it, honestly, I found it pretty unattractive for Mm -hmm. him to talk about any of his exes in a bad way. And I told him that. I'm like, I don't think, I don't want you talking about them that way. Like, no matter what, like, you know, some of them weren't great, whatever, but it's like, I still, I don't feel the need for like talking shit about them. And I think that, we tend to do that. And I've actually been seeing it on TikTok a lot, like trends talking, like girls talking about their partner's exes or this, that, and the other. And it's like, it just feels really shitty Mm -hmm. to me because it's like, I don't, I wouldn't want somebody talking about me that way as this person's ex. I don't know. I have complicated feelings on all of that. I think you're a hundred percent spot on about that. Like, I also feel like, and this is, you know, a little, like, if like you said, like I've thought about if we were to break up, like what would he say about me? Right. Like, I mean, this, like, these are people you loved and cared about. Like there might be things that were not clearly there were things that were not working or you would be in those relationships, but to like shit talk it, like it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. And, and that's why like, again, going on that research ends like with a positive note, like you feel more endeared to the person when they can get over the relationship in a healthy way and be like, well, that didn't serve us. Like we were done, but she was great at this point in my life. And she really helped me through this or like, this was a really fun thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say for his sake, he wasn't saying horrible things at all. I just want to clarify that for him because I know he's listening. Uh, They weren't horrible things at all. He was also thinking like maybe he was thinking because there are some people who feel like my partner can't handle me saying or talking about my ex in a good way. I mean, I've heard that from partners of mine before like, oh, wait, it's okay to talk about them and like like them still. Of course. So he may have had reactions like from other people that were like, oh, no, if you liked her still, you should be with her kind of thing or whatever. And I'm sure I've given mixed signals. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm sure I've given mixed jealous signals. (laughs) Um, My last question on that is, does it really say anything about you if you can't be friends with your ex? Like if you. okay. No, I mean, look, some people, the boundary is like, we're done. That's, you know, that was, that happened in our time at this time in our lives and it's over and we were not friends before. Right. And we are not friends now. I mean, maybe we were friends before, but enough happened in the relationship. It's really a personal choice. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Mm. 
This is going to be a perfect episode for the new year. That's this when we have it planned. This is our first episode of the new oh, year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very oh, excited for it. Resolution. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what we're thinking. The perfect. Perfect <laughs> way to start it out. Burn it all to the ground. Burn it all to the ground. <laughs> That's our philosophy. <laughs> um, where can our listeners continue connecting with you after this episode? Oh, um, so I'm, I have a website, waxmansextherapy.com. Um, and, uh, I am, I am on social media, but I don't, I used to use it a lot in my twenties and thirties. Um, but I would say that through there, there's an email that they can reach out to me, but I'm also on Instagram at sex therapist mom. Um, and, I'm on Facebook, so they can find me there. That's a very old school way, I think, for for your generation. But um, yeah, so those would be the best ways to find me. Perfect. And then all of your books. Where can they get your books? And all of my books. You can get most of them. I don't know. um, I know Hot Sex and How to Break Up with Anyone, I think, are still available uh, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Um, By the way, I did want to also say, I know I'm like deflecting from you asking all these questions about me, but there's a Stars song. I don't know if you know the Stars. They're one of my favorite bands, but they say, when there's nothing left to burn, you have to set yourself on fire. And I love, you were talking about burn it to the ground. So I just love that. That gave me chills. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so you can find my books wherever, but um, you can definitely reach out to me. My email too is waxmanmft at gmail.com. I'll give that because that's probably one of the better ways. That was just totes profound, mm-hmm. I think. Totes prof. Totes profs. <laughs> it really was, though, mm-hmm. to have the words, to have like an understanding of what the space you need to be in mm-hmm. and be told it's okay yes. to do it when, you know, there's not cheating involved. There's not, you know, something blatantly, obviously wrong right in front of your face. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I could relate. I don't know if <laughs> yeah. it's coming from the bottom of my heart, but <laughs> I, don't know. I get it. Yeah, we've spent a lot of time talking about just in general, not even just right now, mm-hmm. in general, talking about like having a good enough reason to do something. Yeah. It's like if you're thinking, if you want it, that's mm-hmm. a good enough reason. Trusting your gut, which was mm-hmm. huge. And I'm glad that we touched on that because I honestly feel like I've gotten mixed like TikToks or whatever about mm-hmm. like trusting your gut and what that means mm-hmm. and if that's actually a real feeling or anxiety, whatever. Mm-hmm. But to hear that you can, and that's probably the most reliable thing in your body, mm-hmm. is trusting your gut instinct. Yeah. That makes me feel very wise. It hits. It fucking hits. Fucking hits. So thank you, Jamie, so much for being on the podcast. And thank you for coming back another year, listeners. Yeah. Um, we want more people to come. <laughs> I don't know how to start that. Go on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me. Leave us a written review because uh, this episode is impactful. Send it to somebody who you think needs to go through a breakup. Yeah. <laughs> um, or somebody you'd like to break up with. Maybe that's the cheat. Maybe yeah. it's like you don't even have to do it. Just send them this and they'll get the hint. They'll get they'll get something. Yeah. Of it. So you have options. Either way. If you take away one thing, you have options. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're in control. You are not stuck. (laughs) And we love you. Love ya. Happy 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.